It's time for Mac Geek Cab, and listener Jeff brings us our quick tip of the week with a CarPlay tip that is true in iOS 17. I thought he said some would enjoy this. Uh, quick tip in Maps in iOS 17's CarPlay. Maps used to work this way, and then they removed it, but now they brought it back. When you have an active route navigating in Maps, there is the box in the upper left corner that alerts you to your next turn. If you tap on that box, it will silence the turn-by-turn directions. Tap again, and the voice returns. I find this far more convenient than having to pull up the volume icon on the other side of the screen and tap multiple times. I love this tip. That's a great one. We've got more quick tips like this, plus your questions answered today on Mac Geek Up 1001. Yet another fun palindrome for Monday, September 25th, 2023. <laughs> Greetings, folks, and indeed, welcome to Mac Geek Gab, the show where you send in quick tips like that. You send in your questions, you send in your cool stuff found. We share them all. We try to answer your questions. Sometimes we have questions of our own. We organize things such that we build an agenda, giving each of us the best chance possible to learn at least five new things every single time we get together. Sponsors for this episode include greenchef.com slash 60MGG, where you use code 60MGG to get 60% off plus free shipping. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. For now, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here, digitized from Liège, Belgium, <laughs> Pilot Pete. Good to be here, Dave. And if I digitize too much, folks, it's another hotel Wi-Fi. doesn't seem... Ill, but I think we're going to muddle through. And- we'll muddle through. It'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, uh, yeah. you know, we'll, we'll figure it out. So yeah, one thousand one. I, I, I love these numbers, and we've had three great numbers in a row here. Dan Bach, the math jock on Twitter, said a fun fact about the number one thousand one. It equals seven times eleven times thirteen. Interesting. Dan's Dan Box, the math jock. That's why we know this. He says so. Yeah. If you take any three digit number. Multiply it by seven and then multiply the answer by 11 and then multiply that by 13. You might get a surprise. So uh, I will leave that exercise for the listener. But uh, yeah, thanks, Dan. And yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for everything. It's this is great. Um, I love I love if the, I get the right answer. I'll get a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's no public math for me. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Public math is terrifying. And, and yet sometimes we uh, we still we still do it. Uh, As all pilots, right. We're often forced to. It's embarrassing. Oh, yeah. I guess you do have to do public math sometimes, don't you? Yeah. With, you know, yeah. Write it down. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. Well, and you have devices that can do this public math for you. Do you not? We do. We do indeed. Right. So, so but, uh, yeah. You know, uh, but, you know, we're always trying to verify the airplane computers telling you one thing and, you know, trust, but verify. Trust, but verify. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Yeah. 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 I'll take that. Uh, all right. We have a tip from Tony. I figured we had a ton of quick tips this week. You folks sent in a, a yeah. absolute great whopping truckloads of them to us at feedback at macgeekgab.com. 
That's what he said. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Yes, I said, it. I said it. Feedback at MacGeekGab.com. Uh, we've we've uh, curated this week's Quick Tips collection to be things about either the new OSs that Apple just released or the uh, tips that might help you when getting a new phone. Uh, just because we had to, you know, we got to make choices. But they are not Sophie's choices, you see, because we've saved those Quick Tips and we will include them in 1002. Moving on to this next one, Tony uh, reminds us, he says, on my Series 8 watch, I was able to enable Double Tap to uh, to do all of the things that I want to do. And he sent us a link to a ZDNet, ZDNet article, easy for me to say, that uh, that that talks about how to do all of this stuff. So uh, we will we will share that in the show notes. But um, but yeah, it works. You can you can set it all up. And they talk through exactly how to do it with the accessibility settings and and all that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, you go to settings, accessibility, assistive touch, enable hand gestures. And there are four that you can enable. Pinch, double pinch, clench, and double clench. These are all with your hand, folks. Hands. (laughs) These are with your hands. It's it's not we're, we're not Thanks we're for not clarifying that because because here, Pete, it, in case it's ever unclear, we are always here to talk nerdy to you. Right. That's right. Not the other one. Not the yeah. other one. You got yeah. it. Yep. Um, so thank you for that, Tony. While we are on the watch, Dennis has a uh, a tip for us here because this is a change in yeah. uh in watch os 10 and the changes in how we switch from one watch face to the other it used to be that you would just basically swipe there have been some fish shakes about that going away for me and i understand that i, I don't mean to be dismissive of that for me it's a, a fist unshake because i was accidentally changing my watch face all the time with the simple swipe to change face so i'm kind of happy that they changed it pete um but uh but yeah but it is so, new you know i don't know i wonder if it was different for the ultra because i've been doing that for a long time on the ultra then the swiping the long press oh the, lo- the long yeah press. so we didn't we didn't share the tip yet but the the tip oh, i guess is, we should how yeah, about i read it <laughs> the, the tip is uh, you you got it in front of you go ahead and take yeah. it yeah go yeah this is after upgrading my watch i could no longer switch watch faces by swiping from right to left or left to right the new tip is to long press the watch face and select from your active faces and select the one you want. You can also add a new one from the gallery. I hope this helps someone. And that's from Dennis Jurgensen. Thank you, Dennis. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. And uh, you know what I don't get? And maybe maybe it's harder than it sounds, but it sure seems to me you ought to be. And now with the complications, you can customize them a lot. You should yep. be able to design your own. There should be some kind of a frame, that, you know, or a template that you can, you know, put these things in how you want them, what you want them to look like, set the font, set all kinds, you know. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I'm I don't with do you. that, Apple, though, before you go back to my ability to turn my red light on. When I'm in the night mode, I want to be able to turn the red light on without, but, you know, I know there's another. Yeah. Well, Ben, Ben shares a quick tip about that. In fact, Ben um says that you can or sorry not not ben rn doug shares a quick tip about that ben is ben will be the next one rn doug says that um the watch os 10's new modular ultra face has a night mode that is triggered by ambient light so if you use the new modular ultra face 
And the ambient light is such that it decides in its infinite wisdom that it should be red. It goes to red for you. So Apple knows best, Pete. Yeah, if we're at fist shake here, baby. <laughs> Let me tell you, because on the Ultra, it was nice. I could, when I was in, only in the Wayfinder mo, uh, face, yep. but I could just turn the crown and it would go to red. And I could keep it that way. I could set it when I wanted it red yes. and when I didn't. Yes. And sometimes in the airplane, even though I've got the lights on a little, but I still want that to be muted. No, it comes up. It's like, ah. yeah. And then other times it's muted and it's like, no, I really need to see what that says right now. And I used to be able to just turn the watch crown and go, oh, there it is. I see what I need. Yep. So some things are automatic. Probably be nice to have manual control over them again. And I bet, you know, I'm going to go play with some accessibility and see. I'll, I'll, and I'll come back if I can find a way to remanualize those. That's a new word. Word of the day, remanualize. <laughs> remanualize. Okay. All yeah. right. All right. It just um, seems to me some of those settings that are automatic, you should be able to have manual control over them. Just saying. Well, but Poor Apple friend. knows best, Pete. Right. I know. Right. All right. I hear you. <laughs> they think they do. Yeah. Just ask them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Call their tech line and ask them. They do think they do. That's true. <laughs> uh, I mentioned that Ben had a tip for us, and it's a good tip. We keep our watches generally, even us really super nerdy people, keep our watches uh, longer than one year. I know not all of us do, right? Yeah. And and I know not everyone replaces their phone every year. Uh, but but you know, by and large, there are there, there's there's a lot of folks who replace their phones more frequently than they replace their Apple watches, myself included. And Ben reminds us that it's a good idea to check the battery capacity of the Apple Watch uh, so that you know where you're, you know how it's doing there, and the way that you do that is you go on your watch into settings, general, battery, battery health, and then it gives you a percentage number. And my my Series 5 watch, which I've had for, you know, quite a few years now, is I, I think it's at 80, 84 or 86 or something. Like, it, it you know, it's not not terrible. So, um, yeah. 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 Hey, um, I'm going to... If- I'm going to quick call a quick audible too. So we had a text message come in this week to the backroom group of, of, uh, I don't know. How would you define that group, Dave? It was from Deb. You remember the one from Deborah? Oh yeah. We have, we have a, uh, we have a group of, of people. We call it the Macworld Expo refugees group. It is, uh, folks who used to attend Macworld Expo, like press type type people, podcasters in general that, that we used to attend Macworld Expo together. And, and so we, So there's a couple text. dozen people on yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and Deborah wrote in and said, uh, considering the new watch, wants to be able to wear it all the time and, and was worried about it getting it wet. And, uh, you know, asked, you know, is it okay to do it with this particular watch? It's the new one, right? The Series 9? I've lost track of which it is. I think uh, it's the Series 9. Yes, yeah, Series 9 with anyway, Watch OS 10. Correct. Yeah. Correct, so correct. my point, the whole point was, yes, you can get the watches wet. I'm not sure when it starts. I know I had a Series 8. I used to swim in all the time, and there's a little complication. It used to be swipe up. Now I think it's the side. Yeah, now it's the side button, the action button. Yep. That uh, you push that, and there's a little icon in there that has uh, water droplets on it. You press that, and then it then you turn the crown, and that's how you eject water from the watch if you get it wet. They've specifically designed it to sonically push water out of the watch, so the watches are more waterproof than 
Yeah. Than one might think. Yeah. I remember, so I guess Apple is vague about how waterproof it is, even though I think uh, there's a rating system on there. Well, your your Ultra it. is very much rated as yeah. As, it's a dive yeah, watch. It's a dive yes. watch, right? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I mean, even I remember even with the ser- what we call the Series Zero now, the very first Apple Watch, Craig Hockenberry was swimming daily in the Pacific Ocean with his watch, okay. and never had a problem with it. So I mean, he would rinse it off simply because of the salt. But, uh, but he, yeah, to my knowledge, he never, he never ran into issues with that. So, uh, and a correction, Ben, Ben corrected me that, um, to check your watch's battery capacity, it is not inside general. The battery, uh, setting pane is right at the top. It is a, a, a first class citizen in the settings app. So it's just settings, battery, battery health. Um, so, so thank you for that, Ben. Yeah. Thank you for the tip to begin with too. Uh, and all that's happening in our discord. You can, you can join when we record the show, we, uh, live stream it so that, uh, you can listen or watch. And we love the real time feedback that comes in. That's at MacGeekab.com slash discord. And you can find out when we're doing it by simply subscribing to the Mac geek calendar at MacGeekab.com slash calendar. That's also where we push events for or uh, calendar events for our zoom hangouts that happen semi-frequently uh, we are i'm going to be scheduling the next one we had a request and and we love these requests we had a request to talk about email clients i will say that our zoom meetings our zoom hangouts are truly just hangouts where we just get nerdy with each other but uh we found it helpful to have a sort of foundational topic for those moments when there's not something else to go off on a tangent with it's nice to come and have an idea. It's like, well, let's talk about. And with the with this, you know, the changes coming in um, macOS Sonoma with mail plugins not working anymore. Uh, I, it, the idea of talking about email clients and how everyone's using them and all of that stuff would be a great sort of interactive hangout conversation. So I think we'll I think we'll do that. I haven't scheduled it yet, so I, I can't tell you when that's gonna yeah. be, but you can find out. MacGeekup.com slash calendar. We also announce it in our Discord and all that good stuff. So yeah, yeah it's been a couple months since I hang it out. has. Yeah, the summer my summer schedule was very unpredictable. So yeah. it yeah. And and right now it's not g- great, but it's better. I just started another theater show which eats time in strange ways. But yep. Uh when upgrade to moving on with our quick tips here into the uh, when you upgrade to a new device, uh, Gary has a tip for us. He says you were talking in the last episode about upgrading, migrating from one iPhone to another and how the app binaries don't transfer uh, if you are doing it uh, over the air. A word of caution, if you use authenticator apps to get into, say, VPNs at work or to authenticate for your bank account or whatever it is. The company says, uh, the company I work for uses a ping ID, uh, which is just one of the various, you know, RSA has theirs and there's all kinds of different authenticator apps. Hmm. He says, that's what they use. He says, since I am what the company calls a help desk administrator, their version of IT, I get support calls where a caller bought a new iPhone for whatever rhyme or reason And even though the Ping ID app will be downloaded onto the new phone when bringing the phones together, most callers assume that the data is transferred and immediately erase the old phone, which means for security purposes, I then have to verify the caller go into the back end, create the new login. And he says these codes do not transfer over unless you manually back them up in the app. Make sure 
And when you migrate to a new iPhone, if you have these kinds of things that you, uh, that you test it on the new phone before wiping your old one. You might be able to save yourself and perhaps several other people great big headaches. So thank you for that reminder. That's a, it comes up every year. So, um, yep. Yepper. Yepper. I did it once. It's not fun. Nope. It's not fun. <laughs> yep. Um, I like to refer to that as a self-inflicted stupidity wound. So. Well, but it, but like if you don't know, you no, don't I get, know. You don't know. That's right. It's, yeah. You're not being stupid, but it, and it's not intuitive. It, that's the thing. That's you know, the thing. You it's, intuit it, that it should go. All your other data migrates over. Why doesn't this? And it's for security reasons that it doesn't. Like it is specifically flagged as data that should not migrate. But, it, you know, there's nothing there telling you, hey, you're migrating. Wouldn't that be nice? Remember... When you like when you upgrade Mac OS and you upgrade and there's some significant change that renders an app unlaunchable, you get a folder used to get a folder on your, you know, on your desktop or somewhere that would be like, these apps are no longer usable. I forget what they call it, but you know, it's like, and, and look here, like, why couldn't there be a, Hey, we transferred all of your data except these three things that were flagged as do not transfer. That'd be super yeah. helpful. Yeah. Oh. So, uh, and speaking along the transfer lines, uh, the Mac mommy asks in discord, does the, you, and I don't know the answer to this, Dave, I, I assume it will. Does the eSIM transfer? <sighs> That's a really good question. I don't, I'm trying to think if I have upgraded phones since I got an eSIM. I have, and it did. Yes. Yes. So it, I think it will. But, but, you know, like be aware. I think, oh, yeah, I think there's a part. John answers. It transfers automatically. Yeah. I seem to remember. Okay. Yeah. I seem to remember it doing yeah. that, but again, test it before you just go and like wipe your old phone. Yeah. 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 Great question. Yeah. Um, speaking of Sims, uh, listener, John has a tip for us. Porthos, John, it turns out to be, um, when moving to a new phone, Make or when moving to a new SIM, even on the same phone, uh, you need to reactivate both iMessage and FaceTime, especially if you are transferring your current number to a new eSIM. eSIMs are tied to a specific device for security reasons. So when you change your eSIM, it disconnects everything associated with the previous eSIM. iMessage and FaceTime are two of those apps native to the iPhone. Yeah. That that makes sense. You got to make sure you go back in and and, and re-enable iMessage and FaceTime. Make sure your text message forwarding is still doing what you want it to be doing. Check those things because they do get disrupted by uh, those things. So yeah, stuff. I like it. Um, yeah. We open the show with a CarPlay tip, Pete, and I have another one. I've ranted here on the show in the past about how when I am say at the theater. At night and I get in my car mm -hmm. and I plug my phone in and it intuitively offers uh, to give me directions hey. home. Right. You yes. know, because it knows. And I say and I tap home. It then gives me uh, the choice between two options, alerts only or go. Right. If I had gotten directions to the theater and had turned off alerts for that trip in iOS 16 and prior alerts only and go would be um, or if I had turned off turn by turn navigation 
alerts only and go would do the same thing. I would not get turn by turn voice guidance at all. It would be mm-hmm. off if because if I hit go, it would keep the same mode that it had, which was oh, okay. no, no voice guidance. Right? right. With iOS 17, that is fixed. Alerts only and go mean what you would intuit them to mean. If you choose alerts only, you don't you only get alerts. You don't get voice guidance. If you choose go, it turns your voice guidance on regardless of its previous setting which is exactly as I get. Why, why give me a choice if they both are going to do the same thing? (laughs) Right. It just didn't make sense. So I was, I was happy to see that um, remedied. Yes. And one last tip that we have about CarPlay from listener, Andrew. And I think this has been there for a, a long time and I either learned it and forgot it, or I'm learning it for the first time now. On your CarPlay home screen, you have the status bar with the time, the signal strength, the open apps, the, the, the sidebar, right? right? And at the bottom of that is that sm- – we talked about this in the last episode. That can either be right. the small grid of eight icons or the small grid that, that shows you you could go to a split-screen view. Whatever it is, if you – instead of tapping it, if you long press it, it will bring up Siri for you. So you don't have to like try to trigger Siri. You just long press it and you are good to go. All right. I want to tell you about our sponsor, Green Chef. Green Chef makes eating well easy with plans to fit every lifestyle. So whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, or just looking to eat more balanced meals, Green Chef offers a range of recipes to suit your preferences. I'm eager to receive my first delivery here, and I've been looking at these recipes and the menus for them. Their Italian shrimp and creamy rice looks awesome, and it's ready in just 15 minutes. Speaking of saving time, their 10-minute lunches are also something to try out. Chef salad with prosciutto and herby feta is what I want to have today, and then maybe have like the beef tenderloin with cherry balsamic sauce for a perfect fall dinner. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for eating clean with dinners that work for you, not the other way around. And eating well doesn't have to be boring, right? You can feel your best this fall and satisfy your cravings with adventurous eats made nutritious. Discover exciting new flavors with recipes that feature certified organic fruits and veggies, sustainably sourced seafood and unique farm fresh ingredients like those tart cherries or truffle zest and rainbow carrots. And if you want to build healthier eating habits this fall, this is pretty cool. Green Chef can help because every Green Chef customer gets a free session with their registered dietitians who can walk you through how to make clean eating work for you. And you can sign up and start your journey towards better health today. Go to greenchef.com slash 60MGG and then use code 60MGG to get 60% off plus free shipping. And just so you know, Green Chef is now owned by HelloFresh, who you've heard about here before. And with a wider array of meal plans to choose from, there's something for everyone. And you can switch between brands like we do here. It's awesome. Again, greenchef.com slash 60mgg use code 60mgg to get 60% off plus free shipping and our thanks to green chef for sponsoring this episode so pete i just got a text message from my son who is working in my office which is right underneath the studio here and he tells me that ups has come we are recording this on friday the 22nd which means that my new apple device oh 
I know what you got. I got a tie phone. You got it. I want to call these things tie phones because when we had titanium power books, we called them tie books, right? These oh, are titanium man. phones, the iPhones Pro, 15 Pro anyway, uh, and Pro Max. So th- my tie phone has arrived. It is sitting um, probably about 14 feet underneath my desk here at the at the moment. So, uh, Dave, go get it. We'll wait. Yeah, I, you know, it, I, <laughs> I, I, I thought about that. But instead <laughs> of uh, going to get it, what I will do is share a tip that uh, Porthos John, who is becoming the MVP of this particular episode, uh, shared with us in Discord in response to our discussion last week about whether we should migrate over the air like we always have or directly from phone to phone. And he uh, makes the case for using a USB-C to lightning cable to transfer from my old 14 Pro to my new 15 Pro. And, he, and there's a couple of reasons for this. He says uh, the absolutely fastest way to do this has gotten easier because of these USB-C connectors, because it, you, it's easy to have a USB-C to lightning cable. That's something many of us might already have. And so you just plug it in. Uh, you turn on your new phone. You choose your language. But don't go farther. Wait until the setup new iPhone screen appears on your old phone and tap continue to confirm your Apple ID. You wait for an animation to appear on the new phone, capture it with the old phone, still with the cable connected. So you're doing all the things that you would do for the wireless transition, but you're doing it with the cable. Uh, Wait for it to activate your new iPhone. When it's done, you'll see a message on your old phone that says finish setup on new iPhone. That's where you type in the passcode from your old phone and on the new phone and then set up face ID or touch ID and then choose transfer from iPhone and it will start the data transfer immediately over the wire, much faster than wirelessly, and, and, and it includes your apps because it's doing it over the wire. So you won't be stuck with that. Okay, I've finished transferring all your data and settings. Now you have to wait for the apps to download from the store. No, no, they will transfer over that USB-C to Lightning connection. So that's what I'm going to be doing it really would have been great if I had like gone downstairs and like ripped it apart and gotten that set up really quick because I could have been done by the time the show was finished. But, you know, the sacrifices we make here, Pete. And thank you, Porthos John, for those instructions. Well, that's that all for today, folks. Dave's got to go do his phone now. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the band I hear, Dave? Is that the band? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, they they would be here playing already, so you could go do your phone, except they're opening their phones now. That's they right. they got theirs, too. So yes. when they're done opening theirs, then then they'll come and play for us. That's Until correct. then, I think we've got work to do. We have work to do. And it's fun yeah. work. I enjoy this. So I'm not, right this is not a complaint. That's right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, we got some questions about migrating to new devices. And so I yeah. uh, figured we'll, we'll dig into uh, Michael's. You want to read Michael's for us, Pete? I can do that. I can absolutely do that. Michael wrote in and said, uh, I've got, hi there, Dave and Pilot Pete. I've got an iPhone 15 Pro coming this Friday. It may already be there, Michael. Uh, and uh, so he says, I've been doing the lightning to USB adapter iPhone migration for the last three phones I've purchased, transferring everything over a wired connection. For the first time since 2012 or 13, I'm considering it starts from scratch new iPhone, but I'm concerned about the health and data and Apple watch uh, that I've got. He says he's got a series seven data. Do either of you know 
if when starting from scratch with an iPhone, once signed in with an iCloud ID, Apple ID, the new uh, iPhone will also see that there's a history of health data and the Apple Watch will know that a watch that was previously paired to the iCloud and Apple ID and offered to restore the last backup from the watch and from my old iPhone. I do not really want to start over with health data and setting up an Apple Watch, and I have all kinds of streaks going that I don't want to lose. Of course. Health and data integration, sure, right? I mean, that stuff, a streak is a streak. A streak's a streak, man, <laughs> just because you got a yeah. new device. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. With a bunch of apps for uh, my health that I recognize I'll need to sign in back in if I start over again with a new iPhone 15 Pro but I would want a historical data to back up on my iPhone if that's at all possible. And the answer I have is, Dave, you're up. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, the health data is now securely synced via iCloud. So as long as you log into your same iCloud account, then you can your health data will sync back down to your phone and your watch and all of that stuff. Yeah, I I, I did this. A couple of years ago when I clean installed, I think it was my 12 mini or 13 mini. I can't remember which one I did that with. But the clean install was great. And I have my health history all the way back um, to, you know, to whenever that was, to whenever health started for me or the the last time I wiped okay. it, which was a long time ago. So, yeah. So did, did you have to take any positive steps to specifically with the health data or no, did it no just, it i mean automatic? I, yeah it was i believe it was automatic i remember okay. going into like settings icloud and and just looking at what you know what icloud features were on or off i don't use icloud mail on my phone so i turn off icloud mail just to keep it okay. to give it one less thing to sync so I, I that's sort of a normal part of my process to go in, make sure iCloud Keychain is enabled because there was a, a point in, in the time in the past where it wouldn't automatically enable iCloud Keychain. Okay. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. Because I don't know. And I, I just truly wouldn't know that answer. I'm, I'm obsessive about a lot of things, but the health data or not the health data, but the streaks. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I mean <laughs> – yeah, listen, if the streaks are what help motivate you, then then that's great. Absolutely. I, you know, no, that is great. great. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, yeah, you, you should be able to get that stuff. It shouldn't be a problem. Yeah. And and again, awesome. make sure it's there before you wipe your old phone. Right. But but yes, it's it's all synced there to, to iCloud. Nice. Yeah. 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 Should we go to uh, McKen's, Pete? I, I, we shall. Um so Ken's writes in, uh, hi, MGG crew. I love the featured photos lock screen available in iPhone OS 17, but I have near 50,000 photos, and I want to know how do you find the featured photo. I don't see anything in photos to indicate recently featured on my lock screen photos. Is anyone aware of anything that can help? Yeah, if you if you look on... Um on apple.com in their knowledge base. And I, I created a, uh, I put a link to this in the, uh, in the show notes. This is all part of what Apple, uh, refers to as memories and featured photos. Right. And, and it, it says in fact, on, on Apple's, on this knowledge base article, the photos app can show certain people, places, days and holidays less frequently or not at all in your memories and featured photos and in the photos widget. 
So you can turn off memories and featured photos entirely in the Photos app and the widget, of course, on your home screen to show a person less frequently. You go into photos or open a photo of the person that you want to show less often. You tap the little three dots in a circle and there will be an option there to feature this person less. Uh, and you can choose never feature this person if you also would like that. You can also go to like certain people or pets and things like that and turn off those the same way. Uh, your holiday memories and your um, the, the entire section of it are actually not controlled in the Photos app. Those are controlled in Settings. So to turn off holiday memories, you go into Settings, Photos, and in there you will see a Show Holiday Events item. You can swipe and turn that off. And then if you want to turn off memories and featured photos entirely, that's also in settings photos and you just turn off show featured content. So it's all very clear when you know the answer, but it's not entirely clear at all, McKenzie, if you're just looking at it because the instructions aren't in front of you. It's one of those things where Apple didn't quite um, didn't quite get us there with the um, with the onboarding process. So. Right. Yeah. The good news is, is you put the link to that in the show notes of mm-hmm. how to do that. So yep. how would one find the show notes, Dave? Um, what you do is you just close your eyes and, and, and what you chant three times in a row, don't <laughs> get caught. Don't get caught. Don't get caught. And you click your heels together and, uh, and and I think you have to actually click your Apple Watch to your iPhone. That's what it is. This is the uh, thing. Okay. And and then and then in theory, all your devices will just show the Mac Geekab show notes. If your devices are malfunctioning and that doesn't do it, then you can do it uh, the manual way by visiting macgeekab.com. There you go. And click on that show, and the notes come up. It's and then awesome. you're good to go. If if you really want to be like, like we're we're talking nerdy today, so uh, if you really want to be nerdy about it, you can go to mgg.fm, and if you just go there, that brings you to macgeekup.com. But if you go to mgg.fm slash the number of the episode, so for this one, it'd be mgg.fm slash one thousand one, just like the numbers one zero zero one, then. It will bring you right to that episode's page. I magically set it up so that that works. So. Be careful not to type those numbers backwards or you will get to, oh, this show. This episode, it's magic. <laughs> it's magic. It works even if it's backwards, but only for this know. episode and the one two weeks ago and, yeah. and others in the past and yeah. some in the future. What are you, you sorry you asked that question, Pete? I, I, I shouldn't have. I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it was great. I did not know where that answer was going. By the way, I, I, yeah, we've never done that shtick before, and it's going to stick for sure. Um, yeah. All right. So, Bill has a so question. Bill wrote in. You want to yeah. go? Yeah, let's go to Bill. So Bill wrote in. Uh, Dave and Pete. In early October, I'll be getting an iPhone 15 Pro. Braggart. I know that. The- <laughs> This phone only has an eSIM here in the U.S. In the past, I've traded phones and never bothered doing anything with my old physical SIM. I've simply erased all the contents and settings on the old phone and traded it in. Should I remove the physical physical SIM in the iPhone 12 Pro I'll be trading in? Will it retain any personal data or my old phone number? The world is a scarier place now that, than even three years ago when I bought my current phone. I didn't find a definitive answer on the web. And... um let me t- let me take a stab at it. I know go you ahead. answered it, but, yeah, but, no, but it seems to me you yeah. want to go into general settings and and reset all settings, or erase all content and settings, and then pull the sim out, and there's nothing left on that phone of you. 
Right. Is, but the, the question is, like, is the sim going to tie back to him? You're, you're absolutely right that if you erase all contents and settings, yeah. the phone is no longer tied to you uh, unless there's an activation lock. But it, in, in theory, yeah. that process should do away with the activation lock. Bonus quick tip, by the way. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm trying to find it here. It was Porthos John uh, earlier. In, he really is the MVP. Apple recently added that if the seller has forgotten they can log in to iCloud from a browser and just remove a device from their devices list that will remotely deactivate activation lock. So my guess is that saves a lot of uh, support calls. However, back to that SIM. If you're going to move your current service from your physical SIM to an eSIM on the same device or on a new device, you... Your service provider likely will not leave your old SIM active because they don't want you using the same service on two devices without paying them extra for that privilege. So the presumption would be if they deactivate your service on the, the physical SIM, act reactivated on the eSIM, then yes, that physical SIM is no longer going to work. And once a physical SIM has been deactivated, as I understand it, there is no way that it could ever be reactivated on any network again. That, you, you know, unique serial number, the IME, whatever it is, I, I forget what the, 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 but the SIM serial number, it's unique identifier, whatever that is, it's not IMEI, it's something else. But uh, that is now done. Like, you, you can't use it anywhere. They've all decided that's how it is. But just to be safe, throw the SIM away, you know, in in a in a place that's not the same place that you sort of uh, hopefully you're not just disposing of the phone. Hopefully you're selling it. You probably get something for it. It's a you know an iPhone 12, I think. So uh, I think you'd be all right. I if it were if it were me, I'd probably upgrade to the eSIM on the old phone and then just let it transfer over. I haven't I haven't spent any time really thinking about that. So there might be some caveat that I'm that's not coming to mind immediately. Hopefully someone in the discord, but I like that might be the right way to do that just to make it smoother. I think, I don't know. Hmm. I have to think about yeah, that. Yeah. 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 I'll be going, I've, I've got the 12 pro max and I'll be going to the 15 pro max. So, oh. you know, I'll be going from a physical SIM to the eSIM. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's a fairly simple, simple process at least. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I I plan to do what I had said, which is, you know, erase all content and settings, pull the old SIM, and... And you're done. I don't know. You could yeah. cut it in half with a pair of scissors. That's true. One half in one trash and I, throw one half down the road. <laughs> I like... I like. Actually, I like that a lot. Yeah, that way, I mean, there's... Oh. Th then you're done. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. good luck doing something with my old eSIM, or with my old physical, physical SIM. SIM anyway. Yeah. Yeah, once yeah. it's deactivated on your on the on you know once Mint deactivates it for you, you don't just toss it. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's, it's worthless. Yeah. yeah, I say that, and I have a stack of old Sims down in my office. I don't know why. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw them away today. Oh, I'm gonna throw them away today. Yeah, or or tomorrow. I can't remember which. <laughs> uh we had some networking questions pile up over the last couple of weeks, so I want to get to those. Before that, though, I want to yeah. take a minute and thank. All of our premium listeners whose contributions have come in in the last week here, uh, as you know from listening to the show, we um, sort of make this happen in a variety of ways. There are different, all kinds of different uh, ways that we get to support 
what our what we do and our efforts here in making the show. Obviously, our sponsors are a huge part of that, and simply visiting our sponsors. When you know when we say like we did for you know for Green Chef, go to greenchef.com slash six zero mgg. Just visiting that, whether or not you die, you decide to buy, it's our job to to encourage you to go check them out. From there, it's up to them to to you know sell you on their uh, on their product, and hopefully it it's something that works for you. And when it does, that's that's a win. But uh, certainly visiting our sponsors is a great way to help the show. Listening to the show sharing the show with other people is a huge way. And then, yes, we also have our premium program, which you can, of course, um, learn more about and engage with at MacGeekab.com slash premium. And it's also linked just at MacGeekab.com. One of the ways our premium program works is for those of you that can and wish to uh, just send us money directly, that works. And we are honored and humbled and and very appreciative of that the folks who have sent us money in the last week through our premium program include $25 from Graham from Glebe 10 from Warren from Gloucester 25 from Daniel in Westbury 10 from Brian in Danbury Santiago in Palm City and John in Wake Forest 25 each from Mike in Tempe and William in Getzville uh, $10 each from Kevin in Edison, Paul in Peabody. I think it's Peabody. Yeah. Cause, cause it, if it's in Massachusetts, it's Peabody. If it's somewhere else, it's Peabody. Uh, Peabody. <laughs> yep. T- 10 from Michael in Robbins and, uh, also from Matthew in Forked River and then 25 each from Craig in Costa Mesa and Andrew in Honolulu. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. It really, truly means a lot to us and uh like i said it's it's absolutely not mandatory there are many other things that you can do to help the show simply by listening like i said that's 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 you know step one sharing the show with other people engaging sending in your feedback and your comments and all of that stuff it all works together we have a great community speaking of the community i know i've mentioned it a few times our discord what a wonderful family like the internet Certain portions of the internet are full of just like people looking for opportunities to yell at each other. That doesn't happen in our discord here. And like, I'm so thankful for that. Like, we're, Hold we, on, Dave. Let me finish chewing some. <laughs> That's right. Oh, sorry. Listen, I've engaged. Oh, was I not a mute. Sorry. <laughs> I've engaged in flame wars too. I don't mean to say that I'm somehow you know immune to this. Not even close. But our Discord community is just one of people wanting to help each other and people wanting to learn. And I know that comes from what we do here on the show, right? Like, this is what the show's all about. We don't yell at each other about things. We we try to help each other learn, you know? And so it 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 absolutely, it's great. It's great. So thank you for all of that, folks. Yeah. All right. And now uh, I do want to get to some of these network questions that we've had sticking around for a little while. You want to start with Joe, Pete? I can that. I have Joe's letter right in front of me, so I'm going to read it. All Hello, right. gentlemen. <laughs> okay, Joe. <laughs> he's okay, got the wrong guy. You don't listen to this show very much, Joe, but okay. <laughs> he says he's a long and he calls us gentlemen anyway. All right. Well, I guess. Thank you, sir. Uh, I'm a longtime listener, and I've learned so much from your show. Thank you so much, and keep it work. For the past few months, my family and I have been going over our internet data cap uh, Cox, 1,280 gigabytes per month. Uh, you can see, so one, eh, a little over a terabyte. 
Uh, I can see our usage uh, by category via the Cox iPhone app, but I'd like to get more detailed information. On Dave's recommendation, I am using a Synology RT2600 AC with uh, two Eero Pro 6 in the bridge mode. I also have a thing box connected to my network. Uh, is there some built-in monitoring in any of these devices that I'm using that will give me more detailed information about our data usage? And I'm going to like this one, too, because I love my 2600 RT yeah. monitor. So when the the ideal place to see your to, to from which to get accurate data usage by device is your router. As long as your router is able to give you that information, right? And and not not all routers right. are built equally. The software for each of them tracks things differently. You're in luck with the Synology routers, though, because they all track data usage by device. You can turn this off, so you might have to turn it on, but it will tell you when you go. In the web interface for your router, which with the Synology routers is called SRM, Synology Router Manager. So you go to the web interface, go to Network Center, Go to traffic control and then go to the monitor tab that there's some settings there where you can enable things or disable things. But once they're enabled on the monitor tab, it will show you current usage, like real time usage in the upper right, though, you can choose to see usage for the previous month and it will show you how much data you are using in total, both separated for uploads and for downloads. And then uh, it breaks it out by device and you can drill down. It shows you the top five of each upload and download usage on, you know, the, sort of the dashboard screen. And you can click show all and dig even deeper. And I did this just to, you know, make sure I had the right instructions to to share on the show here. Uh, and I am terrified of how much data I'm using. I, I Pete, I had I downloaded one point eight terabytes in the last 30 days. I uploaded yeah. 620 gigabytes in the last 30 days. And um, the, I, I probably really shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. My, the device that is at the top of both of those lists, of course, is one of my Synology disk stations. So sort of the main one that, that manages all that. Traffic, there you so, go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. But the fact is, you're not the typical user. You tend to upload shows your, yes. your shows to you know all these shows but, go but this is all media consumption not that much, no, you, no it, it really yeah. is oh, okay. it's, oh, it's okay. either uh media consumption that we are watching because the second thing on the download list very close to the uh the disc station actually is your living room is my living room right uh yeah. which on the yeah. pie chart actually looks bigger than the disc station which is kind of weird i'm not sure how that works out oh that's funny yeah but um but you know the two of them together consume uh, what about sixty percent, sixty five percent of our our downstream bandwidth? So, like watching streaming media is a huge amount of that. So, if they're using sixty percent of our bandwidth, it means we're watching a lot of four K content. Is what that means, right? I was going to say that's the, that's the joys of uh, being a cable cutter. Yeah, like your, your yeah. internet usage is going to go through the roof. Yep. However, with uh, fortunately with Fidium, there's there is no limit, and you've got gigabit Ethernet. So, yeah. Yep. So, so that's the way to do it. Now, if you don't have a Synology router, um, the Fingbox, it, it, it's difficult to get that information out of it in a in a meaningful way. I I need to dig back into Eero's app. I don't think it tracks it over time. 
but I might mm. be wrong about that, Pete. I like I I, I run wonder ear- if any either of the Linksys or the other routers do some, a little bit. Some of the too, I know the net know. gears. Some of the net gears yeah. do. Um, yeah, it, they. I I run Eros here. I run Synology as my router, and then Eros are my. Um, they're in bridge mode essentially as just the mm-hmm. Wi-Fi access points because I like the Synology router. It's super geeky. But I need to check with my, I'll check with my son this weekend to see if the Eros do it because he's you know he, he manages his own network with the Eros so we can mess with that. Yeah, yeah. And and I often say uh, you know I can tell when I'm tired because my memory is the first thing to go and I search for words. One of the words I'm searching for right now is if you do have the Netgear or the Linksys router, what is that third party software? Oh, can... well, yeah, I haven't, I, we used, uh, it's DDWRT. I haven't, DDWRT, yeah. I haven't used DDWRT in a long time. Like, is it even still under active development? Is it still a thing? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I mean, because, because you could get really geeky with DDWRT on your links, your, you know, your consumer net gear and Linksys routers, you could broad, you know, broadcast your signal at a higher signal strength. Yeah. You I mean, there's a new, there's a new build really of stuff. a new build of DDWRT, um, September 8th. So yes. Yeah. So yes, it's still very much a thing. And absolutely that gave me all kinds of reports and abilities. And I have no idea what features they've added. I mean, I got away from, we were using DDWirt before Eero hit the market because I used DDWirt to sort of create my quasi mesh, uh, you know, before we could, we could just do it the other way. So yeah, man, it's been a long time. I mean, 10 years. Well, huh? Here's the thing. I don't know how old my 2600 router is, but Synology 2600 router, it's got to be five or six years old and that thing is still cranking. And I I was going to get the new one and I'm like. I don't, I can't justify it. The one I've got works too good. <laughs> yeah. It looks like there's open VPN and WireGuard are now built in. It's I'm just reading from the change log. So these yeah. are just the things that they're, that they're, that they've like up made updates to recently. It's using ZFS. Yeah, I now. forgot about that, that you could put a, your own, you create your own VPN. With that's, it and, yeah. That's yeah. why I, that's why I use DD I mean, it was, it was Synology's V it was Synology's router OS that finally brought me away from DD word was, it was like, okay, great. Yeah. Somebody has made a, cons- you know, a con- d- built for consumers version of what DD work can do for all of us. And yeah, they did right. a great job. Yeah. It's I got like it. jailbreaking your router. <laughs> it is like jailbreaking your router. That's exactly right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah I gotta so. I, like, I wonder where I would go to just learn what it would do for me. I mean, their website should do that, but their website was never really great at explaining yeah. that. So anyway, um, yeah. So I'll, I'll put a link to DD word in there. Um, Get in and play with it and, and, play. and have fun. Um, do you have, let me ask this though. I used to use it to crank up my signal because my router was in the basement. Yep. Are, are you going to do any damage by cranking that signal up? Are you going to burn out the router? I don't know. I mean, technically it would, it would, make it generate more heat i never burned out a router okay with it but i can't i'm i mean but i've heard of people burning out routers not with that but like there are things that you could do with dd word that would render it useless i I, like i loved dd word i moved to synology's srm because i just couldn't afford the quarterly surprise it's 9 a.m and you need to now spend four hours 
flashing and you know rebuilding your router because some upgrade of ddwirt failed and your you know your sol and your whole network doesn't work until oh, you yeah. rebuild this whole thing and that would happen you know once I, I don't know maybe four times a year three times a year but and it would take a few hours and i learned a lot and i'd talk about it on the show but it was like it got to a point where it was like wait there's an there's an alternative i'll take it yeah yeah Anyway, but if you if you don't change it, if you don't last thing subject, sorry, but if you don't change it, you're going to be OK. If you get it and you get it set up with DD work and you leave it alone or was it do, was it you had automatic upgrades? Set? No, I didn't have automatic upgrades. Pete, the oh. problem is the Venn okay. diagram of people that are going to install DD work and the okay, people that enough. are never <laughs> going to do software upgrades for their geeky yeah. router software. It like it doesn't, they don't intersect. Well, they do intersect. Like, oh yeah, the never people. They don't. They're not like it's, you don't do yeah. one without the other because you're gonna see. Oh wait, right. they just upgraded WireGuard. It's got the new thing. I gotta go do that. Obviously. Yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. That's so. Yes. In theory, <laughs> you know, Litfa. Leave it alone, and I'll let you fill in the rest of that acronym. But um, but we're not. If good it ain't at, broke, fix it till it is. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, Craig asks, he says, um, I have, uh, I'm, I'm getting a bunch of new stuff and I have uh, one of my retirement passions, he says, is collecting older Apple gear. And he's already got like a G3 iMac and a Cube and a Sunflower and the Quicksilver power. So cool. He says, my goal is to equip them all with airport and or airport express cards. Because of this, it means I will end up with a mix of, you know, 802.11G, maybe some 802.11B devices, and certainly 802.11N devices. I'm concerned about how best to integrate this stuff into my household Wi-Fi network. The question is, will my these old devices slow down my network? Because there was a time when that was true, that... A, a device that was, say, 802.11b or 802.11g would slow down the other devices on your wireless network. Those days are mostly now over. And let me explain. The basis for that whole, you know, B, G, even N devices will slow down your network was based on the concept of airtime fairness or lack thereof. Wi-Fi only allowed... And I say aloud, but with these devices, it's still true with with current standards. If everything's on like, you know, Wi-Fi six, then multiple devices can talk. But when you've got a BG or an N device, um, Wi-Fi only allows one client to talk with the router at any given time or with the access point at any given time. And the access point plays traffic cop in that scenario. Right. The the way it works it, it, by default, it, the way Wi-Fi works by default is that it allows each client to send a specific amount of data before moving on to the next client. So it says, okay, you can send, you know, 100K of data, and then I'm going to pause you, and I'm going to go listen to the next thing and, and, you know, go round robin or however it's deciding to go around. That all seems fine and good, except when you have a scenario where you've got, say, an 802.11b device and an 802.11ac device, both connected to the same access point. Because it takes the 802.11b device way longer to send 100K than it does the 802.11ac. And that would therefore cause, in many scenarios, it to, quote unquote, slow down the other devices. It wasn't that it was slowing down your 
your devices. It was just that it wasn't letting them talk as much because everybody was limited to a certain amount of data. But that only would happen if your devices are transmitting or receiving lots of data. If they're just sort of existing on the network, not so much of a problem. So with like IoT devices, not really a concern. But with computers that are going to be web browsing and downloading software updates and all that stuff, that could cause problems. And that's why this concept that I mentioned called airtime fairness came into being about a decade ago. Um, and it, he had meant Craig mentioned that he has an Orbi. I believe Orbi supports this. Uh, I don't know if it's on by default in the Orbi, but you can certainly turn on airtime fairness. It's, it's one of the options in the Wi-Fi settings for lots of current routers. What airtime fairness does is it changed the trap. It changes the traffic cops rules a.k.a. the algorithm, from a data-based scenario to a time-based scenario. So instead of saying you get to send 100K, it's you get to talk for 200 milliseconds, and then I'm shutting you down regardless of how much data you were able to send. Then it goes to the next person that says, okay, the clock starts now. Send as much or receive as much as you want. And so by enabling airtime fairness, life should be fairly manageable even with those older devices on your network i i would advise and i this is what i do on my networks where i have control of it a lot of things just do this automatically now most mesh systems are using airtime fairness um but my advice is to enable airtime fairness uh, unless you have some very specific reason not to because it, it just makes the network work better and i i think it is the default for a lot of things so hopefully that helps craig and I think the cell networks are doing that too. I notice at the airport, you know, you don't, you just don't get those huge speeds, but everybody is cramming data. Yep. They must be using some sort of fairness doctrine. Yep. Yeah. A better word. Yeah. To- yeah. There's all kinds of different ways and formulas for throttling, you know, d- data being sent, be it wireless or wired. And uh, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. you can, you can do it in a way where it really, right. Because what you're talking about isn't even just a, time-based algorithm it is probably both it's like okay well i'm going to give you a certain amount of time but i'm also going to limit you to say five megabits per second as your general average throughput so uh, you know and then that way it can just kind of hop around and and make life good for everybody so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. all right uh speaking well, we another question speaking of slow networks yeah yeah, so I'm going to have a little fun at Scott's expense. Okay. Um, we have a new definition of horrible here, Dave. Uh-oh. He says he writes in and says, I'm having a huge problem with my Eero 6 Pro network. I have gigabit Ethernet on Verizon Fios, and in the past, Eero has given me 930-plus megabits per second to my wired connections, and anywhere from 130 to 400 megabits per second on most wired connections. I noticed the other day that my speeds everywhere are about 94 megabits per second. This is horrible. Oh, the humanity, Scott. Just go send smoke signals. Yeah. Just go send smoke signals. First my world God. problems. Uh, yeah, you know, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I think my masseuse I, is so a little this chatty. Is, I, I know there's more so, to, to read, and I yeah. want to read more, but this is interesting. Like, the sure. first thing that jumps out to me on this is, okay, we've slowed down to almost exactly 10%, right? It went from 930, which is the, eth- the gigabit oh. Ethernet maximum, to 94 which is the 100 megabit Ethernet maximum. It, yeah. it, so just keep that in your minds as, as we read along here. Let's, that, let's, let's see where uh, we go. You have stumbled on something. I I, maybe, but yeah. I think Scott stumbled onto something, too, that you're about to find out. 
Yeah. So he says, if I reboot the network, the Euro network, I get speeds for about an hour and then they drop from. All right, Pete, you're, we're getting, yeah, we're the getting. Euro has app is basically. Hang tight, Pete. The, your audio okay. is cutting out too much. I, I'm yeah. going to finish reading Scott's thing here just to, uh, to. Oh, that's fine. Your, your hotel Wi-Fi is, is, is out to get us, but it's done fairly well for the last hour. So I'm not going to complain. Uh, Scott continues. If I reboot the Eero network, I get the high speeds for about an hour. And then they drop from gigabit to 100 megabit speeds. The Eero app is basically useless in resolving the issue. I have replaced the cable from the wall to the router. Same problems. I have switched two of the Eero 6 Pro routers so that a different one is the gateway. Smart. You're isolating. I like this. Troubleshooting. He says, same problem. Works for an hour, then slows down. I've put in a trouble ticket to Eero and haven't yet heard back from him, at least not by the time he sent us this email. He says it appears to have occurred in late June because I looked in my Eero app and it tracks an archive of speed tests that it does. And since late June, it has been in that 93 megabit per second range. Prior to that, it was 930. He says it would be interesting to know if anyone else in the community is having similar issues. The real reason I'm writing is to get your current recommendations on mesh networks if you are not going to consider Eero. He says the Eero system's been great for the most part, but uh, given this, I doubt it will be another Eero setup. So, um, I, I I love this, you know, that we're we're trying to figure out, and we we've sort of identified that it's slowing down the Ethernet connection. Okay, you've swapped out everything that we can think of. You've swapped out the cable. You've tried different Eros, so different Ethernet ports. But the one thing we haven't swapped out is the Verizon gateway. And in honoring the troubleshooting process, that's where I would look next because you, you know, this is not an Eero. This is not a widespread Eero problem, right? It may well be a problem with your very specific Eero network, but I truly don't think so. I, I really think that it's another device. Like if Eero were having this issue, it, um, it, it would, it would not, like, like we would have heard about this, right? Uh, so, I I think I think that that your answer is going to be that Verizon gateway. At the very least, swap that out. Verizon should swap that out for you, and and then find out. You know, so again, whatever's on the other side of that Ethernet connection. And you said you were going from the Eero to the wall, and then from and from your gateway Eero to the wall. That tells me that maybe your your Verizon device, the ONT, maybe is on the outside of the house. It depends on the fiber providers. That some of them put it inside, some of them put it outside. But it could also be the cable in the wall, right, from the ONT on the outside to the jack on the inside. Ooh, but yeah, but yeah. you know, and then another thing to test. Wait, while we're here, unplug the Eero from it. Plug your Mac into the Verizon gateway. And just let your Mac be the only device on the internet for an hour or two. See if it slows down because that will help to tell you, okay, you know, is it, is it this Verizon gateway? But I I would either way, I would swap out the Verizon gateway. That would, that would be my first test to answer the second question though. Um, there really are when, when it comes to mesh Wi-Fi, there are really kind of two schools of, of thought on it. There is what I call the smart mesh. And then there's what I'll call the, I don't want to call it the dumb mesh. We'll call it the, the normal mesh. The, the, um, there you go. Well, let let me explain. So with a normal 
mesh mesh system. You have devices in your home. You've got, you, you know, your access points and your router and, you know, your gateway and all that stuff. And you just set them up and they do their thing and they talk to each other and they figure it all out. But that's it, right? They don't learn from anything that you don't show them, right? They, they see your devices and they might not even learn from your devices, right? They might just be programmed the way they're programmed and, and they will, you know, negotiate connections with an iPhone the way they know to do that. And with a Samsung phone, the way they know to do that, because they're a little bit different, especially when it comes to meshing things. And so, you know, there's, there's, there's that with Eero and Plume are the two that I call smart meshes. They are cloud managed and connected to what we would now call an AI. Really, it's just a, um, a machine learning database that takes, you know, uh, anonymized data from all kinds of different sources and decides, looks at patterns and says, OK, when we treat, you know, an iPhone 14 Pro this way, it, you know, works 80 percent. When we treat it this way, it works 92 percent. So let's push an update out to all our devices that tells it to do iPhone 14 Pros this way, right? So there's this constant evolution of the smarts of those routers. But Eero and Plume, to my knowledge, are the only ones doing this. They're the only ones that are cloud-managed um, for the consumer space. So they're the only ones that really can do this. Um, if you're not going to get an Eero or a Plume, um, you know, there's Unify, which is sort of on the nerdy end of it's either a professional one or a prosumer one from Ubiquity. Uh, I, I like, you know, I like the Unify stuff. It's not for everyone, but if you're nerdy, it can definitely be for you. So that would be one place to go. Beyond that, you know, Synology makes their own mesh system in addition to their, um, you know, they're just their standalone routers. In fact, their standalone routers just become part of a mesh when you add another one and it it that can work well. I've had some weirdness with it here. Lots of people have had great success with it. I need to kind of dig back into that again at some point soon and see how it works. But um there's the Synology mess and then TP-Link's Deco line. If you're especially if you're looking for a budget mesh system, TP-Link it is worth more than you will pay for it. Um it's it's you know it's not a quote unquote smart mesh but it sure is a good one and you know they're a huge company so they get to benefit you know they they get to um you know have all their cost savings because of the factories and everything and and they pass that along so um you answered my question before I could ask it then oh, sorry. I was going to ask you well, well you what sound about great the, you again. mentioned the TP link yeah yeah like well you know <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah um yeah, that's what I, and I, that's another one that's that system I've been using Many, many years now. And I stopped for about a year. Okay. I forget why I pulled yeah. it off the network, but uh, just put it back on the network several weeks ago because that's what I'm using. I'm, you know, I'm back to using the third floor office, which is three full floors away from my router, Yep. <laughs> which made my, my Wi-Fi almost as good as hotel Wi-Fi at sometimes. And, yeah. Yeah. and so, but TP-Link fixed that quickly. So Great. Yeah, um, no, the TP-Link stuff is, system. it truly is but, great. It really, really yeah. is. Don't. Don't let the lower price when com in com the lower comparative price to the other ones mm -hmm. discourage you. It, it like it, they make good stuff. I really, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. Uh, and then, uh, uh, Scott wrote in, uh, Facebook, he says, uh, remember to have him turn off any beta setting on the, uh, error. Remember a few years ago, we changed that and I went back to the nine forty. and I'm, 
Oh, I, beta so beta settings sense. in the Eero, you mean? Yeah, Eero. That's what it is. It's, it's a good good old uh, autocorrect. <laughs> autocorrect. Okay. Got it. Yeah. Be- turn off any beta settings on the Eero. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and uh, that that may be a thought too. My my other question is, uh, you know, we we pointed out the difference between uh, gigabit and and megabit. Um, yeah. Are there two chips in there or something? Is that what may be causing? Two is there chips. A different chip in there. Why? Why ten percent? Why is ten percent significant? I thought I was thinking that there are two two chipsets in there. In, in no, it's Ethernet ports are built to auto negotiate, so they okay. sense the the idea is they sense what the um, Ethernet device on the other end of the connection can do, and they negotiate the fastest speed that the two of them can can both uh, you know uh, use. Gotcha. Clearly, his is negotiating a thousand. And then something is happening that's causing that negotiation to a drop renegotiation. to yeah. I have seen it yeah. with a bad cable, and, and, and clearly he has too, and that's why the fir- that's the first yeah. thing he tried. I had that here in the studio for a while. I had a bad cable, and I would occasionally notice the iMac would be at 100 instead of 1,000. It's like, okay, yeah. But um, but, it, but it, it would go at 1,000 for a while. Uh-huh. It would negotiate but to 1,000 and being, then drop. It would only do 100. Wait, say oh, again? Wow. Okay. Well, that was it. it was, so it would, it would actually start at a thousand and then drop instead of just only going, giving you a hundred. Correct. The other thing is, is it? Does he have two bad cables? I mean, it, it happens. I would try a third cable. Sure. You know, not likely, but yeah. maybe worth a third new cable. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. Especially a different brand of cable. If you had two from the same box or whatever, you know, whatever. But yeah. Yeah. Cables. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. Anything can. It's it, you know. You don't get to see not what likely. you can't see. I, I yeah. agree. That's not likely. But oh, yeah. It happens. It happens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, shall we? Uh, we've got a little time. We can we can finish this networking round with Bob. And it's a, it's it's related yeah. here. You want to you want to take us to Bob? Uh, I can do that. Bob uh, writes about Wi-Fi uh, confusion. He says, I have uh, hi, Dave and Pete. I have a one gigabyte cable Internet tested via Ethernet gig. Getting 1.1 gigabits. Great. However, the very best Wi-Fi speed I can get using Fast.com is 330 gigabits per second with all of my other devices disconnected. I know I won't get one gigabit via Wi-Fi, but only getting less than one third of one gigabit seems excessive. That has me wondering if there might be, if might indicate an issue, or is this normal? Um, yeah. So, you know, with this, there's there's a couple factors to consider. So. Ethernet, you're getting the right speeds. That that's great, and you're smart to test it that way because that there's there's no, I mean, other than having a bad cable like Scott might or a bad port or something. Yeah. You know, I've I've seen both. Um, you know, at least now you know where the problem is. The problem is inside your house, not outside your house. So smart, great troubleshooting. Wi-Fi, the speeds that you're getting that three to four hundred megabit per second. You know in in test scenarios, certainly Wi-Fi is going to go much faster than that. In real-world scenarios, that that's not atypical what you're seeing. When when I got Bob's email, I dug in a little bit on my M2 MacBook Air, the 13-inch one, which is Wi-Fi 6 capable, connected to my Wi-Fi 6E Eero unit that was maybe 15 feet away in the living room. And that's Ethernet connected to my gigabit fiber connection. So, you know, one Wi-Fi link between my router and the Ether and the Eero in the same room and nothing else. And I got 450 down 
and 200 up sitting on the couch in my living room. I've seen faster. I've seen slower. Um, I, like in a really controlled environment, I was, I've been able to see over Wi-Fi 6E, I've been able to see 800, um, which is amazing, but I don't get that consistently. There's, there's other interference. Even if your other devices are disconnected, there are still things broadcasting in the air. There's, there's, you know, other things creating RF interference that aren't Wi-Fi devices. We had a really interesting thing at the theater. I told you I'm doing this theater show and there's a moment where the band's on stage, the guitar player, uh, one of the guitar players comes across. He's he's on stage, right? He comes across to, you know, left of center, sits down with one of the actors and they have a little scene together. The actor's singing. He's playing his guitar all week in rehearsals as he his guitar was fine. He's using one of these X5 uh, guitar um, uh, uh, wireless things. Right. And so he comes across and he's, you know, line of sight. I can see his pedal board. It's right there. He's maybe now 20 feet away. And his guitar would cut out and it was like, they were trying to figure it out. They changed the blocking of the scene, the, the, the arrangement of the, the people on the scene to put his guitar on, you know, the, the right side of his body so that there was no human big bag of ugly bag of water, you know, between <laughs> the, the two. Right. And, and it didn't, it didn't solve it. And before rehearsal the other night, I saw him walking around the theater with his guitar and he walked like, backstage and around. And of course I have him in my ears and I can hear his guitar. I'm like, he's testing this and he's not having any issues right now. So like he was able to be under the seats behind concrete and his guitar worked totally fine. And I started thinking, cause you know, it's how my brain goes. And I'm like, all right, what's different. What is not on stage right now that is on stage once the play is, you know, once the musical is running. And it was like, wait a minute, they have these cool, uh, wireless lights that are magnetic. They are oh, battery powered. Yeah. They're, they're remote controllable and they put them underneath my, like put them on my drum rug. My, the, the drums that I use in the theater that I happen to be using have clear drum heads. And so they aim them. So they shine up through the drum heads and it looks freaking awesome, especially to me because yeah. I get to see it. And I'm like, yeah. but they don't put them out. You know, they, they pick them up at the end of the night and charge them. And then they toss them out, you know, before we open the house or whatever. And I'm like, wait a minute, those things aren't here. And they're, they're, they're remote controllable. Like they're all part of the lighting system with DMX and all the cool stuff. And so I was like, wait. And I grabbed Sean, our guitar player. I'm like, y you're not having any troubles, right? And he's like, no. And so I'm like, I went to Zach and I said, can we put out the lights? I think I have a theory. And so we put out the lights and then... Sean's like, wait, it's still not causing any trouble. I'm like, so much for that theory. And then Sean said, but I also changed my channel from channel one to channel two. And I was like, oh, okay, well, now we've, you can't change more than one variable, man. Like, yeah, so yeah. we left the lights in place. We changed him back to channel one. Sure enough, the cutouts came in and now, you know, so now he's on channel two and it's fine. Hopefully the lights don't wind up changing their channel, right? Because that can happen. Yeah. But, Oops. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, there, but that's the, the point is there are other things. Um, and everybody was like, wow, you, you really like, you know how to do this stuff. I'm like, it's kind of what I do when Dave doesn't bang yeah. drum, you know, <laughs> um, <laughs> right. It's kind of my which job. Leads me, yes. Which leads me, I'm going to solve somebody else's problem here. Right. Dave. I guarantee it. Yep. My, garage door opener quit working 
uh, consistently. It worked, but not consistently. Okay. And 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 when I finally found a suggested answer online, I'm like, well, that's like fecal matter from a bovine. <clears throat> There's no way that this is a problem. And it was. What was I the answer? I had put an LED light in my garage door opener. And oh. for some reason, the LED light is transmitting a signal that interferes with this with that frequency oh my god i need to do something at the house pete i gotta go i have a problem at my house i guarantee that's what it is i told you i'd guarantee it i'd fix somebody's problem led lights will hear with some radio signals and i don't know at what frequency or yeah 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 but but my guess is if i put a different incandescent back in yeah, or even a different I LED. Incandescent back in. Yeah, a different LED With or a different maybe controller. go to a, a fluorescent. What do you call yeah. the the you know chlorofluor? And boom, the uh, the garage door started working consistently again. Oh. So, yeah, man. It never. No, in a million years, I'm like, why would a light bulb affect? Because we just don't think of that. There's RF coming yeah, but, out of but, an LED. But wait, why? Why was the light on before the? Was it only when closing the door that you had a problem? Only, it, was, it was, you know how you get the little eye that trips the light yeah, on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The little electric eye or the motion sensor. Yeah. You, you break that and it comes on. And and when the LED light was on, okay, yeah. 85% of the time, 85, not always, but 85% no. of the time, yeah, the yeah, remote, yeah. not in Debbie's car, not in my car, not in my son's car. And it's like, okay. All three of our remotes didn't go bad suddenly. What is going on? And then when somebody came up with, I read it on some forum somewhere, and I went, "No, there's no way that that's a problem." And no, sure I believe enough, it. I absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, well, that's that's um, that's where we're going to end it today. That should folks. have been tip of the week. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm telling you, that's great. Yeah, I'm, I'm now not convinced it's going to solve my problem because. I think this is happening regardless. I, I think it might just be the cement, but it's, I don't know. It hasn't been, you know what I need yeah. to do? I just need to, because I, I like the issue in, in the garage that Lisa uses is that there is a cement wall essentially between the end of the drive, aimed between yeah. the end of the driveway and where the, where the opener is, you know, halfway into the garage. Yeah. So I just need to take that little antenna wire can I just extend it, or does that screw up the the, the frequency, frequency response? Yeah, I, I'll have to look into it. But there's got to be a way of like I, I want try, the antenna to be over here, not right at the at the unit. Try going to a fluorescent bulb or something first. That would be your quickest test. Well, I just unplug the bulb, but but it happens when she's yeah. coming home when the light's not on in there. Oh, yeah. Okay. So that's why I'm thinking it's not the bulb. Maybe a different one. Um, yeah. Porthos John, again, MVP of the episode, and, and I, I've seen a ton of things from you, Porthos John, that he, uh, he said he had the same problem, and he gave us a link to a bulb called oh. the Universal Series Garage Door Opener LED Bulb. That we will put uh, in the show notes, uh, and they are built specific. They must either the controller must operate on a different frequency, or it's somehow you know insulated or or whatever. So amazing, so great. Yeah, even a blind squirrel, Dave. I know <laughs> this is awesome. Look at that. That's a, it's a yeah. real problem. There's eight in stock at our local Home Depot in Summersworth, Pete. So you can't find that because. You're on bad hotel Wi-Fi in Liège? 
Yes, I am. Liège, Belgium. Liège, Belgium. Normally, we stay up in Maastricht in the Netherlands, but they're all full. So we're in a new boutique hotel. Literally, the front desk is a full bar, fully stocked pub bar. I'm... When this is over, I'm hitting the sauce. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they got to they got to compete with uh, the Netherlands there, right across the border. So well, well, exactly right. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, all yeah, right. Yeah. Thanks for hanging out with us, folks. Thanks for bearing with the uh, the sporadic moments of Pete's, uh, you know, iffy Wi-Fi there. It's uh, we, we make it through, and, yeah. and heck, we, we like thank goodness you were here for a variety of reasons, especially that garage door opener thing. So. Thanks for that. Thanks for listening, folks. Thanks for uh, sharing the show with a friend. That's that's the, the like. If we can ask something for from you for this week, let that be it. And uh, yeah, make sure to check out our sponsors, slash sponsors You can see all of the current stuff. Plus, greenchef.com/60mgg. And Pete, if your connection can hold up for just three more words, I'm really curious to hear what you might have learned on all of your travels. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Well, four he's back. Next. He's back. If it's this simple. Don't get caught. We made it. Made up. See you later.